0: Our scripture today is going to come from the book of Matthew, the first chapter, verses 18 to 25. Now, this is going to sound a little bit familiar. Bear with me. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. So, again, happy Epiphany. So, um, Epiphany is, the, uh, is the, the, the day of the year that we celebrate that um, God is made known, not just to the people of Israel, but to the whole world. And the representative of that whole world are the Magi, the wise men. We tend to think of them as three wise men, and and uh, that's because of a, a fable that came afterwards. We don't know how many there were. We come up with three because we talk about gold and frankincense and myrrh, three gifts, three wise men, why not? And we show that in our uh, nativity scene, we have the, and by the way, there's there's this running kind of play joke that goes with our nativity scene. And it goes like this. Uh, The the wise men aren't supposed to be there until today. So there's somebody in our congregation who will take them out and place them over on the side because they're not supposed to be there. Now, my argument is, well, Jesus wasn't supposed to be there until December 25th, and yet he's already in there. Nobody was supposed to be there until December 24th, and yet we keep them in there anyway. The wise men... (laughs) to the, the wise men, the, the, uh, uh, the magi, they, they represent that God does not just reveal God's self to the people of Israel, but to everyone. God's revelation of who he is and his son Jesus Christ is for everyone. And so epiphany, which basically means a revelation, uh, epiphany is that season when we celebrate that God has been revealed to all. And so today I want to consider uh, that God is intentional about his plan for the world, about this revelation, and about his purposes for your life. The scripture I read today, I know you were thinking, wait, we heard that about a month ago, and please tell me it's not the same sermon from a month ago. Um, But it's not. Um, We're in the midst of that sermon series His story. We're we're kicking it off today, and and um, there's a scripture plan to to read scripture Monday through Friday, the New Testament, one chapter Monday through Friday, and um, if you'll read one chapter Monday through Friday, you'll finish the New Testament in a year, and so it's part of that scripture plan. And I've I've written a book to go with it, and um, uh, but the title, his story. is a recognition that what we read in Scripture is not our story. It is the story of God and what God has done and what God is doing and what God yet will do. It's God's story. It's his story. And so in that sense, though, we are invited to play a part in the ongoing story of God to become a part of his story, so starting this week in, in, in the book of Matthew, as we've started reading, um, and if you haven't started reading this is a good time to get jump to jump on board and to, to, to become a part of it um, if you If you want you don't have to go back and read Matthew one and through five, which we read this week already, just pick up with Matthew six on on monday and that's fine um, now i'll tell you that five, six, and seven are kind of a, a story in themselves, a piece of teaching of Jesus, so it doesn't hurt to go back to Matthew 5 as you read 6 and 7. You do what you need to do. But, but Matthew 1, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to that. If you don't have your Bibles, you should have your Bibles. It's church. Bring them with you. But if you have them in, in, on your phone, that's good too. Uh, but in Matthew 1, we, we begin the story that God tells with this genealogy this genealogy of Jesus, what was, who was his father, his grandfather, his great-grandfather, going on back? The genealogy of Jesus shows God's intentionality through history. God's intentional through history. Now, as you look at the genealogy, not all of them were good people. There were some bad kings in that history. Some people on the wrong side of the political boundary. There was Ruth, the Moabite. The people of Israel hated the Moabites, and yet Ruth becomes King David's great-grandmother. By the way, that means Jesus was of mixed blood, not 100% Jew. God has a history of using even the most unlikely people. Throughout the story of God, we find everyday ordinary people like you and me saying yes to God and and doing world-changing things. We read in this story of uh, Mary, Mary who, who was pregnant by the Holy Spirit, an ordinary person that God used, an unlikely person. And oftentimes, messengers are sent to, by God to, to deliver a message to make it clear about God's intention, uh, intentions, and Joseph was the recipient of one of those appearances. This was way too important to put into the hands of a man with a bruised ego. So God sends the angel, because guys do dumb things when our ego is injured. God, God sends the angel to Joseph, and in the dream says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because the child she is carrying is conceived by the Holy Spirit. And then in Matthew 2, the magi, the wise men, show up. God uses all at his disposal, sometimes nature, because the wise men were following a star. They saw a star, interpreted its meaning. Aren't you occasionally awestruck by nature? Haven't you traveled to places that you just think, this place just speaks to me? On Friday, we did the celebration of life for Kim Short as she passed away uh, previously. And and, and Don and Kim would tell you that, that their place, Kim's happy place, was Estes Park, Colorado. I would say it spoke to her in some way. What is nature saying when it speaks to you? For the wise men, nature was saying, pay attention God's doing something here. God's intentional. And God's intentional throughout this whole, especially the book of Matthew, God's intentional about fulfilling the prophecy that God had promised many times in many places through the Old Testament. For instance, in Michael 5.2, Micah 5.2, but you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, which is another word for Bethlehem. So it's like saying, for, but you, Bethlehem, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come from, for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from, from of old, from ancient times. God fulfilling his intentions from the start. And the wise men then are warned again in a dream telling them, don't go back to where you were before. Take take the long way home. It fulfills uh, a a purpose also later when God shows up in another dream of Joseph saying, get out of Bethlehem and, and escape to Egypt. Because there's another person who has a bruised ego. Herod, the king of Israel, thought that surely the Savior would come from his own lineage that's not the way God wanted to work it. And Herod, with his bruised ego, finding out that he wasn't the father, grandfather, or great-grandfather of the Savior, decides to wipe out every two-year-old boy in Bethlehem, two years or younger, which also fulfills a prophecy, a sad one. Verse 18 of that chapter repeats what is said in Jeremiah 31, 15. A voice is heard in Ramah, which is another name for Bethlehem, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Why the name Rachel? Well, Rachel's husband was Jacob. And and what the people of Israel think of of the, the founders of their lineage, it's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Jacob's wife, Rachel, clearly had a part in that. And where is Rachel buried? Bethlehem. That's what they're referring to when they say a voice is heard in Bethlehem. Rachel weeping for her children. In verse 23, to fulfill another prophecy, Jesus' family settles in Nazareth. And then in chapter 3, John the Baptist comes on the scene and fulfills another prophecy. And then at Jesus' baptism by John the Baptist, there's the heavenly father's public claiming of his son in Matthew 3, 17. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I I love, with him I am well pleased. Chapter 4 then begins with the temptation of Christ by the devil. And I'm not going to get into a depth about it, but it marks a change in perspective of the way that Matthew tells the story of Jesus. Now we see Jesus using Scripture not for the fulfillment of prophecy, but using it from the perspective of the fulfillment of purpose. And all of this points to God's intentionality. God had this planned all along. God's at work in these details, but also to recognize that God has an intention for your life, a purpose for your life, a purpose will which will continue his story, a purpose planned from the beginning. Now, I've talked about this before, and I'm going to repeat it uh, because I do think it bears repeating. Um, what do I mean by God has a purpose for your life or a plan for your life? They aren't the same thing. Let's talk about plan versus purpose. And this is usually how I present it. In a a plan, you know, when you build a building, a contractor has a set of plans. A carpenter is given those plans and said, let's build this house. And the carpenter doesn't say, I think that bathroom would be better over there. No, they build it according to the plans. There's a specific way that it's supposed to be done. You don't get to make choices. It must be built according to the plan. And by the way, I don't believe this is the way it works. If you ever hear me say God's plan, hear me saying that from the sense of purpose. It's just a a slip of my tongue when I say it. Purpose, on the other hand, is more like an acorn. An acorn has the the grand purpose of becoming an oak tree, But sometimes it fulfills its purpose by becoming squirrel food. It also could become a home for larvae that grow in them to later hatch. The oil from acorns can be used for massage oil. An acorn can be used for flour, for bread, and the list goes on. The point is that while an acorn's principal purpose is to become an oak, It has many other uses and you can't say that it failed to live up to God's plan for the acorn if it fulfills one of those other purposes. So there's a difference between purpose and plan. Now some would disagree with me theologically and let me illustrate there. If you imagine a spectrum that on on one end there are the people that say that this is all quite accidental this, this big bang thing happened, and, and then the earth formed, and, and life grew out of the primordial ooze, and, and, and then suddenly that all evolved into, and it's just completely accidental. And you live and you die, and you're worm food. That life is hopeless. The other side of that spectrum would be to say that that God foreordained everything that is happening to you and everything that you're going through is just going through the motions like a marionette on a string. And if your life sucks, God meant it that way, so suck it up, little camper, and keep going. But what if there's an alternative? What if there's someplace in the middle of that spectrum? God's intention, coupled with your decision-making God has decided to allow you to become a part of writing His story. Imagine that. The idea here is that that we don't have some undetermined life like the scientific worm food, and, and we don't have some pre planned, pre programmed life from which we cannot veer. God has purpose for your life, that purpose has everything to do with His story. story he's writing and God's intentional about preparing the way for that purpose to be achieved by you. God's been at work through history to make it possible. God's been paving the way by clearing all forms of evil roadblocks, not because you have a specific plan, but you have a purpose So this requires intentionality on your part. In, in, in Psalm 27, 14, I think the King James Version gets it right. I don't say that often. I just said that a few weeks ago. And, and I don't say it often that the King James gets it right, but I think it gets it right here. It, it says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. It doesn't say wait for the Lord. Those are two different things. You've been to a restaurant where at times you have to wait on the waiter to come to you. You've wondered who was waiting on whom. Well, this, this, this scripture is about, about an active waiting. You don't want your, your waiter to come by every two minutes and ask if everything's okay. But the word wait on is translated from a word that means lie in wait. Like somebody ready to spring when the timing is right. Like the wait staff standing at a distance waiting for you to finish your drink and to fill it when it's done. Or, or, or waiting for you to finish your meal to, to remove the plates when you're done. So yes, we're waiting to see where the Lord is leading. And then we're standing ready to serve when the timing is right, ready to fulfill the purpose toward which God has called us. And the timing, it belongs to the Lord. But waiting is intentional watching for where the Lord is leading. And in our case, we're, we're, we're not scanning the dining room, we're scanning society and culture. We're scanning the community in our region. We're, we're scanning the church and our workplace. And we're asking, Lord, Where are you wanting me to make a difference? The famed preacher Frederick Beekner once said, the place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. And it takes intentional steps on your part to realize the intentional purpose God has for your life. Tomorrow we'll continue that intentional step of reading Scripture, Monday through Friday, one chapter of the New Testament. The devotions are available in the, in the book that I've, I've produced, and it's out there on the table in the lobby. It's free to take. Please take one if you haven't yet. And there's a bulletin insert that you have that, that talks about the different groups that are going to discuss what Scriptures you've been reading. And then each Sunday, I'll be preaching over something from the previous five chapters. Because it takes purpose in your life to fulfill the purpose of your life. It requires an intentional renewal of your faith. God's doing his part, it's time to do yours to read his story, to read the scriptures, and to get in a group and reflect on that invitation to be a co-author in God's story, his story. Amen and amen.